So I think society teaches us to suppress grief and suppress the painful emotions that come with it. I don't think we're, we're taught to feel happy and be joyful and, you know, all these things, but it's like, you can't have this without the other. Like it's a yin and yang thing. You have to have both. That's just the duality of life. You can't be in joy and happiness and be able to experience those emotions and um, have that experience without understanding pain, despair, grief, right? You have to have the darkness, the darkness and light. You have to have both, right? So I think society really pushes us to only focus on the light. <laughs> so when we, those things start to boil up or come up on us, we're like, Oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle this. And, Oh, I'm just going to like pivot and cope, right? I'm going to go to my coping mechanisms, whether, you know, whatever that is for it's, it's individual, right? Everyone leans on something, right? To cope with it. And now I really believe that when you feel it in your body, one, you can process it, but two, you can understand it. Welcome to the Deeper Awareness Podcast, where we delve into the depths of our inner selves, uncovering authenticity and transformation. Join us for enlightening conversations on breathwork, self-discovery, and the profound journey within. I'm your host, Josh Perry, joined by the delightful Hannah Oxley. Let's begin. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Deeper Awareness Podcast. I'm Hannah, and today I'm here to introduce another beautiful story of how we can achieve deeper awareness through grief. Um, today we have beautiful Brittany Lindsay. Um, Britt is a fitness instructor, mainly focusing at the moment on yoga and boxing, which are two of my favorite things. So it was really exciting to talk to her. Um, but she shares her story about having so much loss in her life and so much grief, but also finding once we go through that darkness, through those depths, she's now coming out on the other side with that deeper awareness of gratitude um, for the horrible things that have happened to her, but the lessons and just that deeper awareness that we're all here to talk about on the show. Um one of the big things we talked about, my biggest takeaway was a phrase that she had shared with us, which was, I hope I don't mess it up. Once you go within, you will never go without. Meaning once we turn inward and face all that grief and face all of the things that we're holding on to and be with ourselves, all parts of us, the shameful parts, the sad parts, those grieving parts, then you're never without. You have, you can hold all parts of you and still be able to move forward and find that gratitude right there. So without further ado, please welcome the beautiful Brit. And I want to be friends with her forever. <laughs> I want to take a boxing class. I want to do yoga with her. 
Um, I hope that our paths cross again soon. I think it's old parts of ourselves that come forward that are kind of like your perfectionism of like, oh my gosh, I have to be in, I have to look like this way and I have to do that. It's all these like checklist thing, right? You're like, am I doing this? Am I doing this right? Am I saying this? Make sure you say this. Da, da, da. And you're like, that higher self inside of you is just like, be you. Mm-hmm. Just be you. Like, that's why you're here, right? To just be you. And that's why your energy is just, you know, that's why Josh was like, you need to be on the podcast. And mm-hmm. I met him like at a breath work, like a few, what, a month ago now? Mm. I think it was about a month ago already. That was crazy. Yeah. With Michelle Rains. Oh my gosh. She's amazing. I love her. Um, but yeah, I was just like, sure, I'll be on your podcast. Great. <laughs> so yeah, that's where my energy kind of was this morning. Like, oh my gosh, you need to be perfect. And I'm like, no, I don't. I don't have to be perfect. I get to be who I am and just share my experience and, you know, just and that's be. What we love. That's what we love is bringing the authenticity because yeah. that's, what, that's what gives other people the more comfort and permission to also be themselves. Exactly. And it, it we just, I, I've learned that I hid behind a lot of, a lot of things in my life, a lot of trauma a lot of um, just expectations of other people, you know, and I didn't realize how much of a people pleaser I really was until this year, actually. And I hid behind that for a very, very long time. And now I'm like, if it comes up, I'm like, oh, that's an old part of myself. Because my higher self really wants to be like, this is me. This is who I am. I'm going to say it how it is and be honest. And I think that 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 was kind of like my blessing and a curse when I grew up was um, being honest and truthful. And people didn't like it. So if people reacted, like they projected, they reacted based off of their awareness, right? It made me feel insecure that I knew the truth and knew the answer or just showed up authentically. And I feel like I would get in trouble for it. So as a kid, when you continually get that message, you know, you start to believe that being honest is, is hurtful, right? And being honest is hurtful or mean. And I'm all the older I get and the more healing I do and the more things that are like kind of unveiled or revealed, it's like, Oh, that was just conditioning. And those were stories that were brought onto me or that was other people's projections onto me. And it has nothing to do with me. And so now it's like, I'm really leaning into being honest is kind rather than honest. Being honest is mean. So I'm working with that with my therapist right now. I'm like, okay, that is, that hits my soul. That hits my soul. (laughs) Like, I'm like, okay, this is going to be an interesting way of being now because I've, I've suppressed that part of myself of being honest and kind. Cause you know, like I said, I've, I've been told so many times that it's mean, don't say those things, you know, (laughs) and I'm all, but that's the truth. (laughs) Mm-hmm. 
And even with your feelings, like when you express a feeling and someone's like, that's too much, or like, you can't act that way or stop crying or anything like that. It's like, Mm -hmm. no, these are my, these are valid feelings that need to be felt through. It's like, it's anything like that, that just keeps us wanting to feel small, especially at that young, vulnerable age that just trying to make it in the world. And we do want people to be happy. And then it would make more sense to be able to tell them the truth that that should make someone happy, but their own, you know, projections onto themselves and everything. So, oh, absolutely. And just learning, learning people as you go, as you heal, you're like, you start to notice things that you, how you used to be and other people. And then that's when you can have compassion because you're like, oh, yep. I used to be there. I used to be in that mindset and that awareness or lack there of awareness, you know, and it, it's really helped me build that compassion for them, you know, because I've, I've had compassion for myself because I can understand it, you know? Mm-hmm. So Josh, was it you that posted something recently of, um, it was like, instead of saying what is wrong with that person, it's like, I wonder what happened to that person. Mm-hmm. Like everybody, you know, people just put on like, all this armor to go out into the world so that they don't get hurt and don't get let down. And so they might come across a way that they're not meant to, that they don't want to be, but because all that, whatever their story shows for them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I was just thinking about as children, it's the black and white thinking that if one person says something the other person has to counter it or agree like there needs to be some kind of agreement and this human need of sharing space like a it's shared reality mm-hmm. that you get to feel one way and i can feel it might be opposite it may it may be counter to what you're feeling but both are valid and i was just thinking about um brit as you were sharing that as I'm holding space for breath work, if I have like 15 people in there and they're all having their own experiences and one's laughing and one's crying and one's yelling, and I'm trying to control it all so that there's only one reality. I'm like, you can't cry in here. You can't laugh in here. We need to be just breathing in here. Like there's no way that that could happen, but that's kind of what we try to do in relationships or in a room that there's only, you know, one way to do it. And that, that seems silly as I was describing that, but that's kind of what we do in, in communicating and relating with others. Oh, absolutely. Like it, it's interesting because I'm noticing more and more of my, you know, family members and some people that I used to hang out with is like they they live in delusion almost, you know, because they're not accepting what is right. Cause what is, is reality, you know, which is the general consensus of, you know, what is right. And so I, I do believe that a lot of people do live in black and white and I'm like, there's so much gray area. There's so many, there's multiple, multiple realities happening at the same time based on again, their self-awareness. Right. So the more reflection you do, the more self-awareness you start to have. And so then you're bringing that new reality and that new perspective to the relationship, right? And 
it's depending on where that other person's at that they're going to be able to either try to understand you or they're going to completely shut down and block you out because they're like, oh my gosh, what are you talking about? Like, this is totally not how I think. These are not my beliefs, my values, whatever. I mean, there's so many factors that go into it. But for me, I really think that like having, you know, mutual understanding of each other is where we can really grow and learn and love deeper, you know? And if people are not ready for that, that's okay, right? You, you know, but it's like we still need to be kind and respect each other, even if our differences are different. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's one thing that I've had to learn is just to have respect um, and set boundaries. Boundaries are a big thing that I have been really implementing and learning um, and continue to learn. I feel like boundaries are something that you always, they're always evolving and changing, but once you know yourself and you know where your boundaries are, I think that's where you can start to establish them. If you don't know yourself, you can't have boundaries. And I didn't know myself for a long, a long time, like deep down, you know, I didn't know myself. And now I feel like I know myself a lot more what I'm willing to tolerate, what I'm not willing to tolerate what's their side of the street, what's my side of the street, where my street ends and yours begins. Like that's been a huge analogy that my therapist has actually really brought to me and it's helped. They're like, it. this was one thing that, the, that she said. She was like, she's like, if it's still, if there's something, an altercation or something you have in a relationship or whatever, and you, um, you're still bothered by it. You have a conversation or whatever, and you feel like you've moved on, but something happens and you're like, it's still kind of festering. You're still kind of having these things come up for you or whatever. You didn't clear your side of the street fully because you weren't being authentic and honest to them. But how I related that to me, I was like, oh, that's because I'm people pleasing. I'm not wanting to hurt their feelings. I'm not being fully truthful in my side of the street and how I'm feeling or how I'm seeing the relationship or whatever it may be, right? So cleaning your side of the street has been a huge thing for me. <laughs> I really like that analogy. Yeah, adopt it. I'm like, everybody needs to take that because <laughs> I'm like, wow, it's just, it's something that you can just really relate to, you know? Because <laughs> it's like, you can shove things to the side of the road on the, you know, on the shoulder, but that's not really cleaning it up, right? <laughs> You're not like picking it up and like looking at it analyzing reflecting it and then being able to let it go right and cleaning it out energetic wise or you know physical or whatever you know so I have to say share this quick story because it's so <clears throat> it's like that metaphor coming to life my neighbor I have this neighbor who he's actually one of my nicest neighbors um but he like has so much trash around his house. Like, it's just like this, like so much going on. And so he has so much that I think the trash guys yelled at him or something at one point. So he will put his trash in on my side of the street. <laughs> and so there's part of me that wants to be like, stop that. Like, no, but there's also like, what's not causing any harm. <laughs> right. Right. But so that, like that people pleasing tendency, it's like, sure. I'll take that on over here. I'll hold on to that for you when you know you don't have to 
Yeah, exactly. You don't have to. And I think that's what people don't understand maybe fully is that they, they have a choice. We all have choices. We can either choose to let this emotional baggage trash, if you will, hang on to <laughs> us, or we can really look at it, evaluate it, reflect on it, do whatever we need to do to emotionally process it and then let it go and let it be and continue moving on. Right. So yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that story. Cause it's like, it literally is like so the things that happen in life. Like we can relate it to anything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's crazy. Mm -hmm. Josh is the king of the metaphors. He always has the best mm -hmm. metaphors. They, I feel like it's a part of my intuition. Like it's not in my brain. It's just, it drops in and I was like, Oh, I just have this information. I don't know where it came from, but I'm going to share it. So. Oh, I love it. Oh, well, and I think metaphors are great because people can relate to them, mm -hmm. right? It brings something that may be up here into something that they can relate to. And they're like, oh, it gives you insight, mm -hmm. you know? And there could be this consciousness above you, Josh, that's like, I'll just feed him all of these metaphors, like, because that's exactly what you said, Britt, is that it's like relating, like something to relate to. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because they can relate to it, then it's opening their awareness because they're like, oh, I didn't think of it that way. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. You know? Like my favorite, can I share my favorite one? Is this box of crayons and how there are, if you think of a box of crayons, you can get the pack at the restaurant that's like four crayons, like when they give kids stuff to color mm -hmm. or you can go to you know staples and get like the 64 or like the 100 something pack of crayons and so josh's metaphor you could step in anytime if i'm not explaining it um better than you do you can but it's throughout our lives and throughout generations too it's we all have different crayons different levels of awareness and so our like our parents generation maybe only had the 12 crayon pack because they can it's like their needs of like human needs of you know I need to be able to set boundaries I need to be able to clear my side of the street and stuff but um you know the more that we do this work the more crayons we get because the more we know ourselves the more awareness we have that's beautiful I feel like, I feel like you would say it way better than me but what's beautiful about that is now you're taking it in and making it yours and then sharing it from that space. And so there's not a wrong way to do metaphors. It now, now it's internalized your way. So. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. I love that. Yeah. So Britt, can we, um, can you take us back? We love to hear people's stories. And so whatever feels good for you, whatever wants to come through you at this moment um, really, we, we love to hear where you were and that can be when you were zero or that can be when you were 20, you just take us back to whatever feels like, you know, a meaningful part of the story. And then you were going through life, doing the things, and then generally something or some things happened. And then that shift inward where you're like, okay, I can't do this anymore. Something's got to change. And then, you know, speak us forward to where you're at now. Okay. Yeah, like like when you mentioned the not finding yourself or not knowing who you were. Mm -hmm. And then like I want to know that process for you. 
Yeah. Well, it's, I feel like it's been, it's been a process and, you know, I'm still, still doing it. And, you know, I just feel like healing is just part of the, the human experience and you're never going to be healed, but you're going to be able to navigate certain things that come up for you um, as you continue to like do the healing, right? Something that might've triggered you in the past might not trigger you as much anymore because you were able to process that, right? But um, going back, whew. so I'm 33 and my 20s were rough, were rough. And um, like I, I, I joke, but now it's, I don't really think it's a joke anymore. I think it was me masking the pain that I had, but like, I kid you not, I went to so many funerals in my twenties. They were friends, coworkers, uh, family members, big family members passed away. And, you know, no one prepares you for death. No one. And how the, the amount of grief that comes with it, no one talks about it. And I feel like even in the healing process, we have so many deaths in our healing journey and we don't talk about that grief that you really have, you know? So, but I joke, I joked in the past that like, I had like a black dress, black shoes, black coat for for like that I was pulling out for all of these funerals. Like I was like, I put it up and then literally a couple months I'd have to put it back on. you know, and it, it was like a lot of people. <laughs> and in that process, I just realized that there's people that have a lot of pain, you know, people have a lot of pain um, that they're not, they're not witnessing, right. And so my partner and I, he, he and I have been together going on 15 years on and off. And when we lost his dad unexpectedly, that's, I feel like that's when things really started to shift because I didn't know how to hold him in it in that process because at the time I still had my parents. And so that was kind of like the turning point when things started to shift maybe a little bit. And then, um, a few years later, well, in between, I lost like my grandpa, we lost his grandparents. And then um, when I lost my dad, that's when the even bigger shift happened. And, you know, my dad and I didn't have the strongest relationship. We, he was an alcoholic um, and a drug addict. He, but mostly over the years, he was mostly just an alcoholic and, really struggled with it. And I watched him go through rehab. I watched him go to AA meetings. I even went to an AA meeting, you know, and so I was around that a lot. And it didn't really help that I had my mom's husband be a part of feeding the narrative that he was a bad person because he couldn't you know, get his shit together, you know, like, he, you know, he could, he could not get past drinking, 
right? Now I know that he suffered from a lot of trauma that I don't know. He passed away sooner than I could ask the question and know the knowledge that I have now. But like growing up thinking that my dad was a terrible person because he drank and couldn't be there for me was really hurtful and harmful to me because I essentially like didn't love my dad. Like I didn't have compassion for him. I didn't have any understanding for him. And luckily a couple years before he did pass, um, you know, we had a much better relationship. I felt like we were getting a little bit closer and we could talk about things. And he was always supportive, always there for me. And I didn't realize that that was the support at the time, because I think I was looking outside of myself for validation from, you know, other people and other family members. But looking back on it now, it's like, I, I see that my dad was fully there for me every step of the way and encouraged me and supported me and loved me, deeply loved me. And, you know, he died un unexpectedly and he died the day after my birthday. I remember him calling me and I was so angry. I was so angry. He called me on my birthday and it was like 1130 PM. And I'm like, you're waiting all day to call me. <laughs> I was immediately like, guard up. I'm not going to talk to you. Like I'm not answering. I'm pissed off. Da, 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 da. Well, according to like the autopsy report, he passed away probably four hours after that phone call he gave to me. And I'm pretty sure I was his last phone call. And I think he left me a voicemail. I don't remember. I don't think I have it anymore. I th think it just got lost along the years, but um, you know, I had just turned 26 and lost my dad and didn't know how to process that. I was like, what just happened? You feel in denial. You feel lost. You're like, is this really happening? There's no way this ha is happening. No way. Like they live forever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you kind of feel like that. And so I, I lost my dad and I remember going to the mortuary to basically identify him and confirm that it was him. And, you know, he, he, he died of a brain aneurysm and, you know, he was beat up. Like he like had a big, he had all these cuts on his face cause he fell and hit his head. And it was just like this whole thing. Right. And seeing your loved one like that and like gone, you're, it, you literally don't know what to do. You're just like, you're numb. You're just numb. And yeah, I, I just, I'm kind of in that moment right now in the present moment of that moment. And it was hard. And You know, I got through it, but I feel like that's where the darkness really started to happen. And, you know, like six months later, uh, I told myself, I was like, I think I need therapy. I think I need to go to therapy. I didn't, I felt like there was a lot going on. You know, I had another traumatic incident, like three, two or three months with my dog 
I actually got bit by a pit bull and so did he. And like, I had to get, um, like the wound extracted in the emergency room and like all these things. And like, that was a really traumatic thing to be bit by a, a huge dog. Right. And go through that process. So I think it was a combination of losing my dad, the deaths we, I lost before. And then that, that dog incident gave me so much anxiety that I like could, I felt like I couldn't, I was not safe even just walking my dog outside. So six months later went to therapy and I'll be honest, I was skeptical. I was like, I don't know about this chick. I don't know. Like I did my research. I knew that there was like that higher self of, in me that was like, let's, let's look her up. Let's see if she, we drive with her, that kind of thing. And we did. And, you know, it took me about four sessions in to really like trust her, you know, and she changed my life. She really did. She, she shifted my mind, like helped me shift my mindset, helped me open things um, up and look at things differently. I saw her for a couple years and then I, I felt like I got to a point where I was like, okay, I think I'm okay now, you know, because that's the thing. I think people think therapy is forever, which it could be, it could be, but also it could just be for a short time. It could just be temporary and help you work through whatever big thing that you had in your life help you move through it right so she helped me move through a lot of things and process um you know what was happening and um i was able to grieve my dad and i remember sitting this was actually just a few years ago um like after therapy that I had like this spiritual experience with my dad. It was really cool. And I was, hate I was holding on to so much anger with him, you know, just the way he lived his life. Um, the way things could have been <clears throat> the way, uh -huh, the way things could have been. Um, the stories that I was told when in reality, that wasn't really him. And I didn't really believe them. Like when they would say that, I'd be like, I don't, that doesn't seem right. You know? And I finally had this spiritual moment where I just cried in bed and I looked up and I was like, I forgive you. I forgive you. And I, it was like a full body experience. And I was just like, I think that was actually during yoga teacher training. Now that I'm thinking about it. I think it was during yoga teacher training and I was really just in it. I took a six month hiatus off of social media. I was not on my phone. I was fully immersed in that six month container for yoga teacher training. And so I think I was just really connected not only to me, but to spirit and to my dad, you know? And ever since then, him and I are buddies. We're best friends. Like I talk to him all the time and I know he's watching me. I actually saw a medium earlier this year and she's like, oh, your dad is with you all the time, all the time, you know? And so she's like, lean on him. She, he is one of your spirit guys. He is one, he is there. So I really lean into him. And if something happens, I say, thanks dad. Thanks for having my back, you know? So, um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of grief, um, 
you know, and it still comes up. I still have moments where I wish he was here around the holidays is hard. So, um, he, he, he was funny. He, uh, used to call, um, my grandma and he would call me too, but like he would call my grandma and sing Feliz Navidad and in this funny accent and just like, just, he was a character. He was just funny and he was outgoing and bubbly. And so, you know, I was always told you're so much like your dad, but when I was being fed all of these negative things about my dad, I've suppressed that part of myself for a long time. And that's where, you know, I feel like I didn't know who I was because I was suppressing that part of myself. When in reality, I am that fun, bubbly character that is just out there, you know, and just like can strike a conversation with somebody at any time and is not afraid to ask questions or be curious or anything like that, you know? And so now I embrace that part of myself and I'm like, yeah, I am like my dad because my dad was one of the kindest people on this planet. Like he just was so kind and so loving. And I really think that the people that go through so much pain, they can love just as deeply. I really believe that because I feel like that's how I am. I've been through so much pain, but I love so deeply and I'm that sensitive person. And I'm grateful for that. I'm so grateful that, you know, I am like my dad. I, I wish he was here so that I could have these beautiful conversations and learn from his experiences and understand, you know, his demons and his trauma and, you know, let him know that he wasn't alone. And I think, I think he was alone and that makes me sad that I wasn't aware to know, you know, so now it's a different experience with him. It's just this spiritual, beautiful experience. And I feel him all the time, you know? So that's kind of where like my journey of healing kind of happened was at that pivotal moment when my dad passed away. Um, and then, oh man, y'all, I, I, I feel like I've been through so much in the last five years to even more than I've already been with my dad. But, um, about five years ago in the spring, um, I had this gut feeling that I could not shake that I needed to break up with my partner. And I was like, we've been together 10 years. I don't know. Like he's the love. Like, I feel like he's my soul. He is my partner that I want to be with for the rest of my life. But whatever we have going on right now is not an alignment. Like with my true self personally, I was like, there's something going on and I could not shake it. And it went on for months and it kept, it was a whisper and then it kept getting louder and louder. And then it was banging. Like you need to wake up because if you do not wake up now, you're going to hate yourself. You're also going to hate him and you're never going to have what you actually want. 
So I trusted it. And I was terrified. I was so terrified. I was like, I can't do this. But there was that, that undeniable feeling that you just know you're like, they got me. They have me. Someone outside of me has me and it is, I'm going to be okay. I know it. I'm going to be okay. And I was. I went through with it. We split up. Um, we were living together for five years prior to that. Well, actually longer, but like in the townhouse we were in, it was five years. And we were moving out and all the things. There was a lot of chaos. Four days later, he calls me and he's like, my mom's being life flighted to the U of U. And I'm like, what? She's like, he was like, she's unresponsive. And I'm like, what's going on? He's like, I don't know. I'm on the way to the hospital right now. I need you kind of thing. But I was also like, of course I'm going to be there. <laughs> like, yeah, I know we just broke up four days ago, but like, of course I'm going to be there for you. You're the love of my life. So, and I'm at the gym <laughs> and I'm all, okay, I got to like get my stuff and like, let's go. So, um, my mom was in town. She hadn't lived here at the time. And so I called my mom and I was like, I need you to drive me to the hospital right now because I, I like legitimately can't drive. Like I was so shaken up. Like I was like, I can't focus. I need somebody to drive me, but we got to go now. So she takes me up there. He's in the waiting room and I'm just, he's just a mess. And I, I have to be the strong one you know, and hold him and be there for him. And there's so many things going back and forth. It's all kind of a blur, really, when you're in that kind of, you know, fight mode. You're like, I don't know what to do, <laughs> you know, but you're just trying to hold on. So for them, but anyways, so we stayed at the hospital for a while. Like it was back and forth for a little while, um, for like a week. And I remember being in the hospital with him and staying the night and we were just holding each other on this twin pullout bed and just crying and just holding each other. And it's like, we're going to get through this. I know that this is hard right now, but we're going to get through this. You know, I just, I just, again, I had that feeling. I had that gut feeling that I knew we were going to be okay. So Unfortunately, a week later, we had to, she wasn't making any, any improvement. Um, Cause she did go into emergency surgery. I forgot to give you that caveat, but she did go into emergency surgery and then the surgery just was not successful enough for her to come out of an, a coma. So um, his sister and him had to make a decision to let her go. And that was I thought my dad, losing my dad was hard. That was even harder. <laughs> and, and me having to stay true to me and not taking him back after all of it. I was like, I think, I think we can make this work. And that feeling still was there. And I was like, I have to do this. Like we have to go through with this because we're not going to be able to heal ourselves together. We have to separate. We have to heal on our own. We have to build our foundation within ourselves so that we can come back 
and build a beautiful foundation together. So we didn't talk for a couple months and then, you know, we slowly started to like date each other again. We didn't move back in with each other for over two years, almost three years. And, you know, now we're living back together and I'm so grateful that I have him and that we went through that hard time together because he's a different person than he was and I'm a different person now and we still continue to choose each other. And that's when I know the love is real because we continue to choose each other, even though we have our own traumas and things coming up right now from past and dealing with family members and things are shifting. And, you know, there's a lot of movement happening in our lives right now behind the scenes. And we wouldn't have been able to manage it or be able to approach it and be with it had we not had that time to be with ourselves and really go through that whole process. So yeah, that's kind of the journey, you know, there's probably other things that I could probably talk about, but that's like a big chunk of like a lot of things that happen to help me come back home to myself, you know? So yeah. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. <clears throat> You're welcome. It was a lot. I know. <laughs> a journey. Yeah. It has been a journey. And I honor you so much for staying true to yourself, even in the most intense emotions. Because mm -hmm. it's so easy to get caught up in the emotion. Mm -hmm. So guilty of that. I think we all are. You know, I mean... I think sometimes I can get caught up in it and then I'm like, oh, okay, I need to take a breath here. I need to take a breath. I'm really being in my emotions right now. And I'm like, what's true? <laughs> what's true? Yeah. And I'm glad you prefaced with the um, the metaphor of the street because I can, I can see throughout your story that you it's it, at times it's hard to know what when your street ends and the other person's begins because... Oh. There's mm -hmm. so much emotion involved, so much love involved. And mm -hmm. yeah. absolutely. So that that, metaphor woven in there. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And so, you know, it's like, oh, is this their belief about this person or is it mine? Oh, wait, did I adopt that? Oh, I did adopt that. That's not really actually true for me. Right. So, yeah, cleaning your side of the street is a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> so i like to um we gain this awareness and you've shared a lot of pieces of wisdom that you've gained through the journey and then can we pass that forward to the next generation or are the friends that aren't they don't they don't have that tool the crayon yet um so when you think back on the losses and that because grief has been a, a part of my journey too as I've healed a lot of things and befriending grief has been really honoring grief instead of coping like that shift so just thinking back on how you were trying to or taught like how society teaches us how to cope with grief 
maybe talk to that a little bit and then your understanding now of of what grief means to you so i think society teaches us to suppress grief and suppress the painful emotions that come with it i don't think we're, we're taught to feel happy and be joyful and you know all these things but it's like you can't have this without the other like it's a yin and yang thing you have to have both that's just the duality of life you can't be in joy and happiness and be able to experience those emotions and um have that experience without understanding pain, despair, grief, right? You have to have the darkness, the darkness and light, you have to have both, right? So I think society really pushes us to only focus on the light. <laughs> so when we, those things start to boil up or come up on us, we're like, oh, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle this. And, oh, I'm just going to like pivot and cope, right? I'm going to go to my coping mechanisms, whether, you know, whatever that is for it's, it's individual, right? Everyone leans on something, right? To cope with it. And now I really believe that when you feel it in your body, one, you can process it, but two, you can understand it. You can understand what that feeling feels like in your body. And like, in all honesty, my therapist actually told me this, and this has been a study or like has been researched that like, we can process our emotions. It takes like 90 seconds to process an emotion. If you actually feel it and, and like allow yourself to sit in it, it's in 90 seconds. And I'm all, that's not a long time. So what's happening is our story about it and we're constantly suppressing it and pushing it away. So then it's longer, right? You're, you're, you're sitting in it longer, really, than actually sitting in it and feeling it and allowing it to go through you, right? So, yeah, I think that's one of the things that I've learned through grief is like, you have to feel it, you have to cry, you have to just sit with it. And it will pass, it will go through you. And then you'll realize like, oh, I came out on the other side. That wasn't as bad. I think the avoidance is what makes it so unbearable, really, is when we avoid it. And we're like, eh, okay, bye. <laughs> you know feel it feel it like legitimately close your eyes hold yourself and just know that like your breath is there and you'll be able to move through it and you'll have that experience with inside yourself and you'll be like I'm okay so hopefully that answered your question mm -hmm. <laughs> Well, I, I was thinking about your dad mm -hmm. and even we label them drug addicts and alcoholics. And if we labeled them instead as like grief in their body, 
and that nobody has provided a space for them to feel it. Mm -hmm. It feels way different, you know, that, and, mm -hmm. and the 90 seconds thing that if somebody could have like, and understanding that generation, that, that space wasn't provided, that oh, knowledge wasn't, yeah, there just wasn't the knowledge. And so mm -hmm. if somebody well, could yeah. have mm -hmm. provided that for him. You have more crayons. Mm -hmm. He would have more crayons. And I really think that him and I could create a masterpiece together, mm -hmm. to be honest, with our crayons. <laughs> because, yeah, he he tried. Like, oh, when we cleaned out his apartment, he had so many books, which, again, I wish I would have kept some of his books with his notes and stuff. But I just, I wasn't in the headspace. I wasn't in the awareness, right? So, you know, I don't, I don't hang on to that and like beat myself up about that, but you know, he tried, you know, and I think that's why I have so much respect for him is because he tried everything, you know, but there just wasn't the language. There wasn't the um, space. Like you said, Josh, there wasn't, there wasn't um, the education, you know, like Gabor Mate, when he blew up and has been on the internet, I, I was like, I wish you would have been here in 2016, you know, but he was, he was doing it. He was in it, like writing and all those things back then. Right. So that the generation now me, I can educate myself and be able to help people and hold space for them. Right. Because I don't want anyone to ever feel like they they can't take up space and come with whatever it is, their grief, their joy. You know, I think some people suppress their joy because their friends or family are suffering, you know, but it's like, again, both can exist. I just think when we are in those high vibrations, we just have an opportunity to be able to hold space for them even more because we're in that high frequency, right? So, you know, I'm grateful that we have the tools, we have all these resources that we can rely on and utilize to heal us from the pain and hold our grief and really be with it, you know? So yeah, I, I so wish my dad could have been able to experience the things like I, I'm pretty sure he would come to a breathwork session with me like I really think he would mm. he'd be open to it I'd be like okay that's interesting but yeah I'll do it you know <laughs> I can't say that for my other family members I just don't think they're there yet but I think that he would be curious because he was always curious about what I was doing in my life and again he, he was very supportive and you know I, I remember one time he I was in college and you know, I paid my way and did my own thing. And he, he didn't make a ton of money at the time. And he was like, I want to help you with books. How much are books? And of course that, that person inside that part of me didn't want to be an inconvenience. Cause that's a whole other thing, but like an inconvenience and ask for help and accept the help, right? Receive it. Right. And so 
he's like, please just take it. And so I was like, thanks dad. Like, I really appreciate it, you know? And so he just helped financially, even though he, he didn't have a lot of money. He was just there to help in any way that he could. And he did it the best way that he could. You know, sometimes he would buy me lunch and just be like, Hey, let's go to lunch. Hey, let's go grab coffee. You know, he just was a kind person and genuinely cared about you. So, yeah. I have a question for you. So Josh said you do boxing. I do. I teach boxing as well as teach yoga. Mm -hmm. I love that. So <clears throat> speaking of feeling emotions through, mm -hmm. I, I joined a boxing, a title boxing club. I don't know if they're out there. That's so that's where I work. Uh -huh. oh, I work for a title boxing. Uh huh. Yep. Fun. So yeah. I was going, I was a member for a while and I, I forget, I don't know if they closed or during COVID or something. And I didn't, wasn't able to go or whatever the case was. And there was, I was a member of another gym and they had one heavy bag. And I remember it was just one day. I don't know what went wrong, but I was like so angry and I didn't know what else to do. And I was like, I'm just going to go to the gym and hopefully no one's at the heavy bag because I just need to like let it out. And I, like it really, like in those 90 seconds of punching the shit out of that bag, like I, you feel a million times better. And I've been, we moved in this house a couple of years ago and I'm like, I really want a heavy bag down here in the basement. Cause it just, it's so powerful getting all of that emotion out. Even if you don't know what's there, like just the act of punching. <laughs> it, Can you speak more on that? Oh, absolutely. I'm so glad you brought this up because in all honesty, I feel like boxing has changed my life, but especially this year. I didn't know, notice and realize how much anger and rage, like it was so deep in those deep chakras. Like it was my entire body. Well, as a people pleaser, I relate. Like it gets, we don't even, sometimes it's hard to even identify. Mm -hmm. So once I started to identify the things and just really, really realized that I, I lost my power. Mm -hmm. I lost my power in myself and gave it to everybody around me and things outside of me. And I was like, I had like this epiphany. It was actually on the first, like January 1st, 2023. We're almost a year now. It's crazy. But I had this epiphany that I was like, I will never let anyone treat me with disrespect again. And not acknowledge me when I'm in the room because I had an incident. I don't, I don't publicly want to talk about that quite yet. I'm just not there. I'm still processing things, but, um, you know, I, I did have a moment where I was like, I will never give my power away. You know, I will, I will never do that again. And there was that rage that was inside me and boxing allowed me to release it. And breath work, actually. So boxing and breath work were the two mo two biggest modalities that helped me move through the, the anger. And I can honestly tell you today, I it took me about nine months to fully process it and release it. And in October sometime, I, was, I sat down and I was like, wow, I don't feel that way anymore. 
I don't feel this deep rage and anger that I'm like, you know, the freaking Kool-Aid man coming through the, the, the walls, you know what I mean? And just like raging because like, seriously, I was like, I was so on edge and just, I would seriously be like, let's square up. I'll beat the shit out of you because I was, I was carrying a lot of anger. And, you know, again, my therapist said, well, you were holding on to things from your past and also within the last, you know, your adulthood too. It's like almost your 33 years. That was all that bundled up into one thing. And just the empowerment that you get from punching something that can't punch you back and hurt you back. And you're able to release it and push it out and get it out is so again empowering and invigorating you're like wow that was freaking sick <laughs> i love that i want that feeling again right and that's what that's what i love about title boxing like the the community that we have built we actually just did a boxing and breath work workshop about in november and it was our first one and i i kind of just brought this idea to them i was like hey I think we could blend these two modalities together and really create this space where people can really process and heal. Oh boy, was it the coolest shit I've ever experienced and being able to like help facilitate it and just witness was so amazing, like so amazing. And I remember going to my first breathwork session too this year. And <laughs> again, I wasn't skeptical I was more, I was more open to it, but I was just like, I straight up asked the facilitator. I was like, um, am I going to have a panic attack? And she's like, no, because you get to go as deep as you want to, or you can go like you're in control is basically what she said. You're in control of this experience. You know, it's not like it's this experience where you're not in control of your own breath. Right. And I was like, oh, okay. So I'm glad that she said that, like you get to determine your, you're in control of your determine your experience kind of thing. Right. So when I went through it, I was like, wow, that was the coolest experience, you know, and each breathwork session, which you both know is different. Each breathwork session is completely different. And that first one was a death and a rebirth for me. And it was the coolest, coolest experience. But, you know, going back to boxing, like in all honesty, like there's so many things that can frustrate us on the daily basis. And when we don't process it and let it out, like, I think that again, we suppress it and we hang on to it and we don't let it out. And it's such a safe space to do that. You know, like I said, you're not going to get hit back. So <laughs> Um, yeah. And I've been there for like, since 2017, I've been there for a little while and I love them and they're amazing. And just, like I said, the community that we've created there is just incredible. And I really think 2024 is going to be a huge shift for us as far as like really diving into the healing aspect. And we're going to be hosting more workshops and stuff like that. So yeah, I'm really excited. Um, and 
you know, if anybody's listening to this and is wanting to try it out, like just, just find me and I can give you like a week free, like in all honesty, like I would love for you to come and like do it and experience it and, um, yeah, release your anger <laughs> in a healthy way, in a healthy way. I think that's the thing. We were not taught how to one, express our anger to hold space for it and express it in a healthy way. And I really think that like uh, title, but like also boxing in general, like is the space to, in a healthy way to release it. You know, in my classes, personally, personally, I really encourage them to like, I'm like, yell at the bag, swear at it. I don't care. I don't give a shit. Like, I just want you to get it out because you hanging on to it is not good for your health, your mental health and your emotional health. You need to let it go, you know? And if you don't know how to let it go, keep showing up, keep showing up, keep doing it because eventually you'll be like, wow, I feel released. I feel like I released it. I'm okay. And having, and being that on the other side of it now, I'm like, whoa, this is pretty cool. I'm not as angry anymore. <clears throat> and now I'm inspired to, I know the owner of my um, title boxing location and he had closed before COVID and to just reopen. So now I'm like, I'm going to call him about boxing. Do it. Mark. Do it. Do it. It was so powerful. Like, it was cool because like we had like certain rounds where we like help them navigate certain things so there was like masculine energy and then feminine energy and that type of thing so we we took them on this journey right had them like write things down of like what they're hanging on to in the masculine in the feminine in yourself you know in the areas of your life, you know? So it's like, we help that help navigate them to be able to get there. And, you know, there were people crying on the bag. There were people like yelling and, you know, it was, it was epic, but yeah, you should definitely do that. It's a cool experience. It I, was like cool. I, have a, I have a friend, she's actually introduced me to the title and her neck of the woods. And she now is a breath work facilitator uh -huh. in Colorado. So I think she's done a similar thing too. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I just think those two modalities, there's so many modalities out there, right? But like, if you're really working through a lot of anger and rage and frustration, and you're just like, all I want to do is just like, hit something, mm -hmm. go, go to boxing. <laughs> You'll release it. I promise. <laughs> I promise too. That's just the best. I will never forget how good that felt. I've been wanting to, I'm in between like memberships. I'm like, where do I want to spend my money? So yeah, I'm trying to convince my fiance. I keep almost calling him my boyfriend. It's recent. Um, but so I'm like, we got to go to the boxing club. He wants to go to this like other gym. And I'm like, no, let's go boxing. So it's a battle right now. We'll figure it out. Yeah, you'll figure it out. <laughs> Probably only one bag at the other gym, but we'll figure it out. Okay, that's okay. <laughs> works. It still works. I love that boxing and breath work as well. So most of my inner work has been grief and anger. Like there was no relationship with either. Both were suppressed. Both were 
it, it just felt like nobody taught me. Like our society didn't know what to do with either of those things and even labeled them as bad. Yes. And so then it's like, what pills can I take that mm. so I don't need to feel those things? And so I love that you're just creating these pockets of space and time where it's normal, it's valid, it's important, it it's inside. It, the, this is what I keep um, identifying is there's things inside me that have no place outside to go. People don't know how to hold them. They don't know what to do with them. It's uncomfortable. It's awkward. Let's not talk about it. Let's let's fix it. And so I I think just really having that place where where the insides get somewhere to go. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, because you the further you suppress it, the and the more you keep it inside of you, I feel like it's just a slow death. You know, I really do. Like, I don't think hanging on to those emotions is healthy. You know, it's like, yeah, we can talk about moving our bodies and um, eating healthy and that type of thing. But like, I still feel like we're not talking enough about mental health and our emotions that's part of that whole that whole realm right and processing them because our mental state is affected by our emotional body you know and if we don't have a space to re release it and let it be seen and bring it to the light where is it going to go it's just going to go back at yourself and you're just going to resent yourself and you're going to keep abandoning yourself i feel so strongly about that i agree because yeah. I, my story was, had to do with sickness and I mm -hmm. just live in my life. And then, but I swear that it's my gut got so bad because I was holding all of that, anything, anger to even joy, like just holding everything in, not trying to be small. And I held it in my gut and it made me sick. Mm. Disease, disease is disease in the body. And that's when I found breath work was realizing how the how I needed to calm my mind down in order to get in touch with my body. It's all connected. And then being able to really feel through what was present. And that was, that's what breathwork did for me. And so, so grateful for all these modalities that help you release. Yes, absolutely. And yeah, breathwork has definitely helped me release even more on a different, it's just, Again, it's just different. And the thing is, is I want to encourage people to try things on, mm -hmm. you know, give things a chance, be curious, you know, just be curious in it all. Um, and some things are going to work for you. Some things are not, you know, so, but I really think and believe that holding space for your anger is necessary and your grief. You need, you need to, you need to let it go. You need to release it. And there are healthy ways to do that. And there's people that are waiting for you to come. You know, like I know that I'm like just trying to call as many people in and be like, we need, we need to heal as a collective and we need to really befriend our anger in a way.
you know, like you, you, your anger is, is your responsibility to process. It's not anybody else's. It's all within you, you know? And I think I've noticed that I've, I have, um, you know, been around people that like point the finger and do this. I'm angry because of this person. And I'm like, it's your reaction that's making you angry though. It's inside of you. You're reacting to their behavior. Look inside. I, look inside. Exactly. And I didn't notice that until this year where I was like, oh my gosh. I'm like, I am hanging on to this. It's me. That is reacting to the people around me or the situation or whatever. And I'm like, that's not healthy. That's not helpful to me. Or anyone. Or anyone. Exactly. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta process this and, and really sit with this anger. And yeah, when you do, when you give it space, the only thing that can happen is just healing it. I've shared the story on here before, but it's such a good one. So my, I teach at a senior center and they are the cutest, like my favorite group during the day, during the week, I teach a couple of classes, but that's my favorite. There's like always like 15 people that come and they just absolutely love it. And this was one woman who loves to share. Her name is Linda. She's amazing. And so at the end, you know, once they come open their eyes and come to again, I'm like, so how does everyone feel? And she's the first to always say like, well, this time I felt um, and so she, this was a couple months ago now, she goes, she goes, I just want to share this question with the group and see how they react to this. She's like, I was driving behind a truck, a big pickup truck, and it had this huge sticker on the back and it said, anger is a gift. And she's mm. like, now what does that mean? And so I had like, I had them kind of reflect on it. And then I just shared like how exactly what you're saying and how it's, it's just a, it's something that you have to release. It's something that will teach you it's it's all the above what we were just talking about oh that's beautiful mm-hmm. I love that you do that that's so fun oh my gosh love them oh yeah take care of your anger mm-hmm. again befriend it be curious about it why are you angry mm-hmm. where is it in your body uh-huh. where is it in your body does it have a color mm-hmm. does it have a temperature does it you know where do you think it yeah texture where do you think that it's coming from something from your present or the past or you know is it from one incident yeah I get curious yeah curiosity like that's been my biggest thing is being curious being curious so I wanted to share a story I was listening to this podcast and and Britt, when you said you found Gabor Mate recent, he's been doing it forever. That was my experience with this guy. And I don't even know his name. I'll post it in the show notes or whatever. But um, I was listening and it's two British guys and one's a doctor and he's the interviewer and he has like seven or eight seasons now. But the one that I listened to was from, I want to say like 2017 or something. And this this man that was being interviewed, wrote a book on depression. And he was like, so like curious and interested. He was like, what is going on here? 
and because it just keeps getting worse and worse. And so he traveled, they said he traveled 40,000 miles to different research labs, to different countries. And he was interviewing all these people for this book. And he kept discovering that depression came from, it, it can be biological, it can be physi, 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 Physiological, physiological. That's a hard one. <laughs> it <And> is one. <laughs> psychological. And so it can be any of those three, but often we we treat it in America with pills, thinking it's a biological thing. And so what he was finding was it was generally people were lonely. And so if we're treating it to try to fix the chemicals in our body. And it just has something to do with they need a space, they need a community, they need they need somebody to just sit and listen. Mm -hmm. Then we're like giving them pills which have side effects. Mm -hmm. So anyway, the uh, the story I wanted to bring in was he traveled to Cambodia, and there was a I think it was a research um, I don't know scientist. They were like researching it there. And the the uh, guy that was being interviewed was talking because they were noticing depression was was growing in Cambodia. And so this man said, are you going to use antidepressants? And the guy said, oh, we did use an antidepressant for this one particular guy. Let me share the story. And he said that um, this man was in the in the fields he was a farmer and he stepped on a landmine that was left over from a war and it blew his leg off and so he had he was a um what do you call it when you have a fake yeah and then then they put on the the fake leg and when he was in the water in the fields it would create pain and so he this man started to get depressed. And so in America, we would give him the anti, you know, depressant um, pills to remedy that. And what they did, he, he started to become hopeless. He didn't want to get out of bed. And he went to the doctor and they said, oh, it looks like this is the cause, like being in the field. And so the doctor said, I wonder if we gave you a cow and you became like a farmer, you, you became a, you know, working, giving milk to the community. And so they did that and the man started thriving. And so in Cambodia, they used a cow as an antidepressant. And so this idea is what, what is the cow? And so Brit boxing is a cow. Mm, that makes sense. So now we get to think outside the box and we get to explore, we get to create a community and, and your story, because we've had many guests on now, your story is one of many and it is so valid. It is so beautiful. It is so uniquely yours. And if we just gave you a pill, like a blanket, let's fix you with this without understanding all of your, what brought you to this point, we're, we're missing the human. 
So I, I love that you just shared, try it, like try it. It, it may be just what you need. It may not be, but keep exploring. Mm -hmm. And if we can have all these pockets of community that are different and not for everyone, and that's okay. Yeah, exactly. Just again, coming back to curiosity, just doing it and you know, it's like I shared on um, a recent video that you commented on um, about yoga teacher training. It's like, once you go within, you'll never be without, like, do the work. Like, I know it's scary to like, look at yourself because you don't want to be perceived as X, Y, Z or whatever, but it's like, you're in control of you and you get to decide how you want to show up in the world and how you want to interact in your relationships, and how you want to play a part in that, right? It's not just your partner or the other person. It's like, it's both of us, you know? It's like we both make that relationship what it is, you know? So honestly, doing the work, being curious about modalities, being open to it, and you know, trying things on and seeing if they work. I mean, an example for me, cold therapy is not my jam. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I might want to try it again or, you know, but it, it it's like I've tried to do sh cold showers before and I, I just, I'm not there, you know, and they're not my thing. And that's okay. They're there's people out there that do them all the time, like religiously and they do it and they're like, it works, it works. And I'm like, I don't doubt that it works, but I just don't think it serves me right now in my healing and in my timeline. You know what I mean? Cause I think at least, I don't know, Josh, maybe you can, you can talk to about this cause we're in Utah, but I just feel like there's so many things happening in Utah that like, they're like, you need to do this and you need to do that. Da, 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 da. And it's like, you know, all of a sudden your morning routines, like three hours, you're like, what? <laughs> I can't do that. I don't have time for that. And then you start to feel like a failure because you're like, I can't apply all these things, you know, and I can't make it look this way. And that's what I've learned along my journey too, is like, do what works for you. You know, like if a 10 minute meditation is good enough for you in the morning, then do it. You know, if you need an hour before you have to go to work to do whatever you need to do, where you just want to sit and be with yourself and be with a cup of coffee. Great. You know, it's like, do what you are the creator of your life. You get to design it how you want to design it. You know, I wake up a couple hours before I have to go to work because I know I'm a person that struggles getting out of bed. I have tried a million different things. I know this about myself, you know, and I've accepted it about myself. I'm like, I, I don't like to feel rushed. I like to have my time. Right. You know, and then I have my coffee and then I read some pages in a book that I'm reading or whatever. And then I meditate, you know, and then I do some breath work and then I do maybe a little bit of stretching and body movement. And, you know, it's like you get to design your routine, your, your beautiful spaces for yourself. You know, I used to be a person that would wake up, get up quickly, hurry, get ready and be out the door. 
And then my, my whole world was chaotic. And then I was just on rage and I was road raging and, you know, flipping people off and all these things. Now I'm all, Hey, you cut me <laughs> off, but it's cool. It's cool. I don't know. I hope you get to where you need to go, you know? And it's like, just you get to design your life and you, it doesn't have to look a certain way. You can get ideas from so many people out there, spiritual teachers, people in the community, people that, you know, but like try things on. Sometimes I recommend journal for people, like recommend journaling for other people. And they're like, Oh, I don't know about that. Like, I don't want to do that. And I'm like, well, my first question would be is like, are you putting restrictions on your journaling practice? Like, are you thinking that you need to be grammatically correct? Are you trying to formulate perfect sentences and like structure it? Like, cause that's how I used to journal. I used to like, oh my gosh, again, perfectionism. I have to be this way because what if somebody reads it? I don't want them to judge me because it sounds so crazy, but also I'm like, I don't want anybody reading this without mm -hmm. my permission Two. Like, this is for me. This is for me to get my thoughts out on paper. That's all it is. You can do it in a video, like, chat thing on your phone or whatever. Or you can type it out. Or you can get an actual journal and a pen and write it out, you know. But find what works for you. Try things on. Be curious. And be open. Be open. And then... You know, you'll never know what comes in your life and the people that come in your life. And you're like, wow, I've been missing out on so many things because I kept myself so restricted and it needed to look a certain way. It doesn't have to look a certain way. We're not meant to be in boxes. We're meant to be in that gray area. <laughs> I love that. It ties it right back to your first thing you said was life is not black and white. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm it's not, it's not black and white. And I think society has made it out to be that and keep us small, keep us living in status quo. But it's like, if status quo doesn't work for you, don't try to force yourself into it. Cause sometimes that, that container works for people and that's okay. Right. That's okay. Again, this is a conversation right now of like, do what's best for you. For me personally, I was trying to fit in this box that I was not. It was like trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. And I was like, that's not me. That doesn't work for me. That feels so rigid and not expansive for me. So once I accepted that, then I was able to move in the direction that I'm currently moving in. And I'm like, whoa, this is, this is, this feels good to me. This is where I want to be. This is. I'm finding my square, not my square. I'm finding my round hole. <laughs> you know, what I mean? I'm finding my own hole and like my own, you know, uniqueness. And again, I wouldn't be able to have that without curiosity and being curious and being open. Well, thank you. Thank you just for sharing your delightfulness. Like your authenticity is so beautiful and so welcome in this world so needed. Um, can you share where people can find you? Yes. And I also want to say thank you for this opportunity. Um, this is me getting out of my comfort zone and also leaning into my manifesting. <laughs> I remember telling Josh when I met him, I'm like, 
I manifested this moment. I manifested being on a podcast. Like it's happening, you know? So um, thank you for having me. Um, you can find me on social media. It's uh, BritLins03. So it's B-R-I-T-L-A-N-D-S-03. I'm on Instagram mostly. Um, Going to possibly branch out into TikTok. We'll see. I don't know. <laughs> I'm still playing around with that idea. Um, I'm also on Facebook as well, but I'm mostly on Instagram. That's where you can mostly, um, you can find me. So yeah. And then I also teach at three local studios. I teach at Title Boxing in Cottonwood Heights. Um, I teach at Church Cycling. And then I also teach at Awaken Studios. So yeah, you can, I teach a couple of nights a week. So if you're interested, let me know. I would love to have you in my classes and hold space for you and help you you know, move your body and connect back to yourself. So, mm. so our final, our final yeah. question, we love to offer a space that if you had a message to share to the world in this moment, what would, what would that be? Mm. Connect to your breath. Like close your eyes. And really feel your breath through the nose, out through the mouth, or in through the nose and out through the nose. And notice how it feels in your body as soon as you like exhale. Your breath is your best friend. And it's always there for you, always. When life gets chaotic, just breathe and know that like your humanness, your essence, you as you matters, your existence matters. And I know our human emotions can get real chaotic and scary. And, you know, can lead us to questioning, but when we can really go within, we'll never be without. That's like my, my mission is to help people understand that, that once they go within, they'll never be without. And the more deep healing that they do and they bring the dark parts of themselves to the light, they can really live in their true authenticity and liberate themselves from the spaces, places that were holding them back and keeping them in the dark. What a great episode. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Um, let us know what you took from that. Leave some comments, share with a friend who also might resonate with the story. Um, subscribe, like, all those things so that we can spread the word about our podcast. And so all of our beautiful stories that we get to hear from our amazing guests get to be shared around the world. We appreciate you as a listener, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to the Deeper Awareness Podcast, where the journey of self-discovery and inner growth continues to unfold. We hope this episode has ignited a spark within you and inspired you to embrace a more conscious and authentic existence by looking within. If you enjoyed today's conversation, be sure to subscribe and stay tuned for upcoming episodes where we'll continue to explore the transformative power of breathwork and emotional healing. Continue the conversation and stay connected with us on Instagram. Follow at Deeper Awareness Podcast to receive daily inspiration, valuable tips, and updates on our latest episodes and offerings. We'd love to hear your thoughts and insights from today's show, so feel free to share them in the comments below or tag us in your posts. Your engagement and feedback mean the world to us as we strive to continue to create content that resonates and empowers our incredible community. Together, we can continue exploring the depths of consciousness, fostering genuine connections, and supporting each other on our transformative journeys. This episode is brought to you by You Belong Breathwork, your destination for transformative healing and self-discovery. At You Belong Breathwork, we believe in the power of breath to unlock the deepest parts of ourselves, leading to profound insights and a greater sense of connection and belonging. Whether you're seeking emotional healing, a deeper connection with yourself, or a path to authenticity, our breathwork sessions, retreats, and coaching programs are designed to guide you on this transformative journey. Our experienced facilitators are here to hold space for you as you explore the depths of your consciousness and discover the infinite potential within. Visit youbelongbreathwork.com to explore our offerings and download a free guided breathwork session. Thank you for being a part of our deeper awareness community. Stay connected, stay curious, and may you embrace your true essence with love and compassion. Goodbye for now and see you in the next episode.